If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Kings chapter 13. And then we're going to go to 2 Samuel 23. So 2 Kings, if you'll go there. And then we're going to turn over to 2 Samuel. So 2 Kings and 2 Samuel. 2 Kings chapter 13, 2 Samuel 23 in a little bit. But there's a certain mystery to our Christian life. And what I mean by that is I've walked through seasons, and I have been in one very recently, where there are simultaneous battles and blessings going on. Has anybody else ever been there? Simultaneously, I can also understand biblically and from God's word and God's truth that we are to be at rest. Everybody say rest. There was a real peaceful spirit here just a little bit ago, and I think God wants us to find rest for our souls, even though you can be in the midst of a battle, even though you can be in the midst of maybe disappointment or something else going on. And that's really where this sermon tonight and teaching tonight was birthed from for about a year and a half. It just seems like a battle after battle after battle after battle in many different fronts, many different areas. But I was also simultaneously at rest and at peace while I was in the midst of the battle. And the very first revelation that we come to as believers, and I believe this is a revelation that you grow in your entire life, but one of the first revelations that you should have is that you are a child of God. Amen? Everybody take a deep breath. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. It doesn't get any better than that. We always have to check our foundation, I believe, to make sure that we are settled on the foundation that is the rock that is Jesus Christ. And listen, when you come to Christ, I want you to understand and know, and I talk about this a lot because I remind myself regularly that when we are in Christ, you didn't get some secondhand righteousness imputed to you. You got the righteousness of God imputed to you. The blood of Jesus covered you and washed away every single sin. You have divine DNA and you have the spirit of the living God living and moving inside of you. And oftentimes when you're in the midst of a battle or you're in the midst of something going on, I want to look at two characters tonight, King Jehoash, and then I want to look at Shammah in in, uh, 2 Samuel. But really the premise I want to move on tonight and talk about tonight is the fact that you can, again, have simultaneously, you can be at rest but you can also be facing a battle. In other words, you can be at rest, but you still have to be somebody that reaches out for everything God has for you. When you teach on God's identity that he has given to us as children of God, it is grace, it is mercy, and it is his goodness that provides for us by way of the blood of Jesus to be adopted in the family of God. But I've met a lot of Christians that think, okay, if I'm, if I'm, If I'm in Jesus and all my sins have been washed away and I'm growing in my relationship with God, then a couple things happen. We think nothing bad's ever going to happen to us. Nothing could be further from the truth. Amen. And we also think that all the blessings of God are just going to just naturally come our way. But what I've tried to teach this church over the last six years is that is your identity and you operate out of the identity that the Bible says we have in Christ. But we also have to learn how to be prayer warriors. Come on, somebody. 
We have to learn how to understand. There's nothing worse. I believe this with all my heart. There's nothing worse than walking through seasons where you don't understand what the root cause of it is. God wants to show you what that is because you may have planted something in your past that needs to be uprooted in your life now that is going to cause you to walk in a level of victory that you've never seen before. And simultaneously, we can be in a place where we're blessed and not even know why we're blessed. I don't think there's anything worse than that. I want to know why I'm blessed. I want to know the seeds that I planted years and years ago that have caused the blessings in my life. Why do I want to know that? Because I want to continually repeat that. So there's a rest for us in Christ. We are the children of God based upon our faith because some of us want to talk about, well, I just need to believe or I need to work harder. No, you need to believe harder, honey. Amen? You need to believe in the finished work of Christ. So that's an area that we continually grow in. Who would say tonight that you've grown in your area of relationship with God? I hope everybody in here. Or let me put it a different way. How many have grown in your revelation of being a child of God? Amen. I think that's a better way to put it because it really is a revelation. It really is a light bulb moment that comes in. So we don't necessarily at the rest. And what I'm talking about tonight is the is in the title I came up with, maybe not be the best, but it is the title, is the reach of rest. I love when I sit down in my recliner and get to watch a little TV late at night. I've been watching the NBA Finals a little bit. And uh, I just, I, I don't like it when I look around, I can't find my remote. Is anybody with me tonight? <laughs> you're in the chair and you're just like, man, I know that thing was here somewhere. It happened to me a couple nights ago on, on Memorial Day when I just kind of sat down late that evening and put my recliner back and I thought, boy, I'd turn on the TV and I couldn't find it. So there is a place where we rest in Christ, but there's also a place where we come into agreement with the, the, the Holy Spirit to begin to fight the battles that are in front of us. And I'm here to tell you tonight that you're either currently in a battle, having just come out of a battle, or fixing to enter into a battle. Because even though we are children of God and we are blessed by God and we're protected by God and we're watched over by God, it doesn't mean that you're going to have seasons in your life where the enemy's not going to try to come against you. Amen? And we need to be prepared for that. We need to be ready for Because don't look for peace in a time of war. We're in a war zone right now. The peace is eternal. Amen? The glory of heaven is going to be wonderful, and we'll get there someday. But while we're in the nasty now and now, come on, there's some battles to face. So there is a real thing called the reach of our spirit for God, for the things of God. So we rest, but there's a reach. So we receive... God's truth. We receive God's promises. But just because you have received a God's promise, I'm going to show you a character tonight that God had given them the land. God had given them the crops. God had given them everything they needed to be fully sustained and a blessed people. But the enemy kept attacking their fruit. And this one man named Shema that we're going to look at tonight, he finally just steps up and says, no more. He finally just steps up and says, okay, I'm drawing a line in the sand. And for some of you, you need to draw that line in the sand, so to speak, and just tell the enemy, hey, you're not allowed to come against my family anymore. Amen? You're not allowed to come against my marriage anymore. Amen? I want to stir you up tonight to understand that you have a big part to play in the victories that you will win Because it's not just the revelation that you're a child of God and everything's going to go perfectly. It's a revelation you're a child of God and now the world, the flesh, and the devil hate you. 
You're in a war zone. So we're going to look at some of those things tonight. That there's a rest that we can enter into. And even in the, the, the season, say the last year and a half, where it just seemed like one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, and after another. And when I was in that place, I was just like, Lord, there is such a rest and peace that has come to my spirit that I am not at all concerned about what's going on. That doesn't mean that, listen to me, that doesn't mean I didn't fight the enemy with the weapons of the warfare that God has given me through the word of God, through praying, through focusing on him, through doing my diligence and my duty of what God has called me to do. So let's look tonight, 2 Kings chapter 13, and then we're going to go to 2 Samuel 23. 2 Kings chapter 13. This is a fascinating story right here about the prophet Elijah. And this has some truths I want to pack for, unpack for us tonight. So the revelations that we grow in is that we are received by God and made his child. And there's a rest and a peace that comes along with that. Hebrews talks about that when it says, hey, you need to make sure that you enter into the rest of God. But then there's also a part where we understand that we have a battle that we face. And that is not a time of it's the internal rest. But outwardly, we are coming against the enemy and what he's trying to do. So 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. Just skip down just a little bit. I'm going to read through several of these scriptures and set this up. And let's unpack this tonight. Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. So look back this way. What do you see right there? What I see when I read that, understanding Elisha, his mantle of anointing that was passed down from Elijah. He's been a prophet. He's getting near the end of his life. Jehoash would have been a young He would have been a young um, king. He would have looked to Elisha as a father. And any time that the anointing is getting ready to be transitioned to another generation, it always looks unstable. And what had happened is the enemy looked for an opportunity where the prophet is, is going to be taken by the Lord. And then he comes and he wants to talk to his spiritual father, Elisha, but what I see here more than anything else, and this is what I want you to get, we rest because of who we are in Christ, but we warfare based on what God's called us to do as the people of God on earth. But I see in this scripture the language of hunger. (laughs) Church, if you want to get anything in the season we're in right now as a church, let yourself get hungry for more of God. Let yourself get hungry for more of his presence. More of it. So the generation is getting ready to be passed from Elijah to a new generation. And in 2 Kings 13, 14, we read the words that Joash uttered when he saw Elisha was getting sick and ready to die. He says, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. These specific words you'll also find in 2 Kings 2, 12. As Elisha used the same words when Elijah was taking up. Into the air. When Elisha heard Joash use these words, he immediately knew the time had come to transfer the mantle to the next generation. Another thing that I see, not just the language of hunger, he was hungry for God. Jehoash was the king. He was hungry for more of the anointing. He was hungry for more of God that he saw in Elisha. So he comes to Elijah. But the second thing that I want to point out, and you need to know this in your spiritual life, your words matter. Your words matter tremendously. You are literally framing your world by the words that we use oftentimes. Lee and I, for years, have had uh, 
have, have had a kind of an unspoken agreement that whenever we found one or the other speaking negatively, we always correct lovingly the other person because we understand and need to be reminded continually that your words have life or they have death. The power of life and death are in the tongue. And if you're constantly speaking death over your life, guess what you're going to live out? Death. So words are incredibly powerful that we're speaking into and over situations because God has given us a voice. God has given us a prayer language. Our words will convince God that we really want more. Our language will literally reveal the depths of our hunger for God. So when I say tonight that God wants you to be hungry for more of him, I don't need to do anything but maybe visit your home for a couple of days to see what your language is because your language is betraying what's already going on in your heart. Amen? The language of King Jehoash was one of hunger that he wanted to see God come. And why, did, why was he in a turmoil? Why was he stirred up? Well, the enemies of God had surrounded them. The enemies of God were coming in to try to kill, steal, and destroy. And we know from the Bible that he shows up to do that. That's the only reason he ever shows up. But your words matter. So let your language reveal your desires. Let your needs. The Bible says clearly we have not because we ask not. And when we do ask, we ask amiss that we may spend it on our own wickedness or pleasure. So we need to line up with God's word and let your, your, your hunger language begin to pour out. When you're in a season of worship, when you're in a time, and I've been talking a lot about the secret place and this ties in with that tonight. But when, you're, when you come into worship or you're in a uh, meeting with God in your secret place, listen, let the language of hunger just begin to pour out. God, let me tell you something. God loves it when we begin to tell him how much we need him, how dependent we are on his spirit, how much we need him to move in a particular situation. And let me tell you something. It's not changing God. It's changing us when we pray that kind of language. It's stirring up hunger in our hearts. And it's extremely difficult for a good father like Elijah to ignore the hunger language of a Joash son. A true father wants more for his son than himself. Amen? If you're a dad in here, what do you want? You want more for your kids. You want, you want to see that language coming out of them of, of stirred up and hungry for God. So my, my question is, what is your language in the season that you're in? Because if you're walking through either a difficult season or battles, then you need to check your language because our language is powerful. Our words are powerful. Look at verse 15. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. So the, 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 the authority and the prophetic are coming together to shoot. And he says, open the east window. So he opened it. Shoot, Elijah said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elijah declared. You will completely destroy the Aramans at Aphek. Then he said to him, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elijah told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. Look back this way. i got to say this right now because it's just bubbling up in my spirit. When God tells you to do something, don't stop until he tells you to stop. Amen? 
When God gives you a strategy, and that's exactly what you're seeing, seeing here, you're seeing the language of hunger, you're seeing the passing of a mantle and anointing onto another generation, down to the next generation that God is raising up, and that's what God is doing right here at this church. Whether you realize it or see it or acknowledge it, it doesn't matter. God is anointing and raising up an entirely new generation of servant leaders, of prophesiers, of worshipers, of, of men and women of God that I don't care if they're seven, if they've got a word of God on their heart, they can stand up here and prophesy it. Amen. I'm going to tell them that this weekend. Let no one look down at you because of your youth. These kids are, these kids, man, I I see it in them when I talk to them. A lot of them don't understand the basics and that's what we're going to teach them this weekend. But man, I see a genuine spiritual hunger in them. I see a genuine spiritual hunger in my own children right now. I hope you see it in your kids or your grandkids or other kids that you're around because God is going to do something miraculous in their lives. But when God is telling and giving a strategy to the man of God, Jehoash, he should have struck the ground many, many times because it goes on to say, he said, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. When I talk about who we are in Christ and the rest that we enjoy by being children of God, also understand that there are going to be times and seasons when God stirs you up to begin with your prayers, with your with your prayer language, with praying in the Spirit, with coming against with the Word of God, something that's going on in your life. So what is happening here is Joash would have gone into an inner chamber of the prophet. We've been talking about the secret place. So take the spiritual analogy and apply it to your, your everyday living life. Very practical. We should have a secret place where we meet with our Father. We should have a time where it's set aside to go in and get strategy from him. And this is a physical battle that's laid out here in the scripture. But there's a spiritual battle that's going on around us all the time. Because church, we know this, but we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't. People are not your problem. So if you've got a problem with people, look behind the, the, the problem or the person and realize what the enemy may be doing to try to infiltrate or try to come in and cause you to be moved off that place of peace. In this story, God wanted to give King Jehoash complete victory. Everybody say complete victory. I'm so tired of half victories in my own life. Somebody say Amen. The reason I say that is because I've cried out, I've prayed, I've sought God, and I've seen a little bit of movement. I've seen a little bit of movement in this area that I've been crying out to God for. I see a little bit of improvement in another area that, you know, we, we struggle maybe financially or something going on like that, and we finally get ahead a little bit and we just kind of back off. Can I tell you, the enemy doesn't back off, so the people of God don't need to back off. We should constantly be in a mode of looking where the enemy's trying to infiltrate. Trying to, trying to come against us. But God wanted to give them a complete victory. And by, by virtue of him, here's the picture I get. And if I meet Jehoash in heaven, he can correct me. I get the feeling that when he was told prophetically, this is what you need to do in this situation. I really feel like he took the arrow out. And, and I get the impression it's kind of like, well, this is kind of silly. You know, I'm going to go fight an enemy with real bows and arrows, and I'm inside of your chamber here, and this just seems kind of kind of foolish. Can I tell you, there's nothing foolish when God tells us to do it. 
Here's what I found in my life, that an area of obedience is something or some, uh, something I'm praying to God for and asking him for, and I'm, I'm full of faith, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. A lot of times we pray one time and we quit. Amen? The Bible tells us clearly, ask, seek, and knock. I want God to finally just come to the door and say, quit asking, <laughs> and then I'll move on. But if I know it's in God's will and I know it's for me, then I'm going to keep fighting for it. And I kind of get this picture of just a half-hearted, took the air out. And, okay. Can I tell you, when God gives you a strategy, you keep working that strategy again and again. It's not faithlessness to continue to pray about something that you have not seen manifested. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you tonight, it's one of the greatest elements of faith that you can, uh, that you can uh, put out there is when we continue to do what God said to do, even though we haven't quite seen the answer yet. Amen? So if God says for you to do something, don't stop until he tells you to stop. Because in this situation, what you see is he settled for a half victory. He settled for a halfway when God wanted him to have something that was all the way. Amen? And again, our life is filled with battles. Our life is filled with times and seasons when things are difficult. But when you skip ahead to the end of the book, it says something very powerful. It says we win. Amen? Amen? How many are glad we win? And me too. But here's my thing. I don't want to just know that God wins. I want God to produce victory in every area of this man's life. Is anybody with me tonight? I do too. I don't only want to win the war. I want to win some battles. And because he did this half-heartedly, he had to settle for less than what God wanted, which was complete victory. Here's a few questions. Listen, just real quick. Here's a few questions. These are questions I've asked myself. Are you the type of person that only does what is required of you? Or are you the type of person that goes above and beyond? Are you the type of person that strikes and then stops. Listen, I want to be the type of person that strikes until I don't have any arrows left in my quiver. Amen? I'm getting two arrows out. Come on and strike. This is a spiritual analogy of our prayer life, of our secret place, of our relationship with God. As he goes up into the chamber and he's crying out hunger language that he's exhibiting here. And God had placed the answer right in the king's hand. And just like him, we are to shoot, strike, and we are not supposed to stop. We are created in his image with his gifts, his talents, with everything we need in order that we can serve the God that we serve and win a victory. Now go over to 2 Samuel chapter 23 tonight. We're going to read about a warrior. This is, this is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. Favorite stories. One of my favorite characters and it's a, one of the mighty men of David in that whole, that, this whole chapter in, in 2 Samuel talks about David's mighty men. But this one in particular was very, very, very one of my favorite people because we see a heart in him that finally just kind of stood up and said, look, the enemy's taken enough. If you look in the generation that's on the earth today, I really, really sense, that, and I've known this for a couple of years, but I really, really sense that we have to get a spirit like Shema that we're going to look at and finally say, hey, enough and enough of trying to destroy 
this generation that's coming up behind us. If you don't think the enemy's out to kill, steal, and destroy the young generation, look at what's going on in our culture. And it's time for us to stand up, much like Shema did. Second Samuel 23, verse 11. And after him was Shema, the son of Aji, the Herarite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a place of ground full of lentils. So it was a bean patch. It was a pea patch. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory that day. See, when the Philistines came, look back up this way, when the Philistines came, they fully expected for Shema to run, because I get the the inclination here reading this, that it is what he had done before. And I came to tell you something very simple tonight. If, if you have an MO of running when things get tough, God wants to put a spine in you that stands up against the enemy. Come on. He wants to put something in you that stands up and says, you know what, enemy? No more. No more of my family. No more of my marriage. No more in our country. Come on. No more in in the area of my finances. No more in the area of stealing my peace. The devil stole some of your all's peace three years ago and you've never gotten it back because you're so worried about everything going on. There's a rest for you, but you have to reach for the rest. And the reach we have for the rest that God has is just to finally stand in the place that God has appointed, anointed, and put you and and, and tell the enemy, God gave me this and you don't get it. Amen? Quit running from your enemies. You know, one of the first questions that was ever asked, recorded right there in the Bible, was to Adam, right? He had partaken of, they had partaken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Then they realized they were naked and they hid themselves from shame. And the first question God comes and asks, he says, where are you? Now, was that because God didn't know where Adam was? So it's a rhetorical question. So rhetorical questions are asked so that the person being asked could examine why they are where they are. In Shema's life, in the, in the people of Israel's life, you have to look at that and say, why are they getting, why are they getting everything stolen? Why are they having to deal with this? Why, what is going on? And all it took was for one man to finally stand up and stand in the middle of the pea patch and say, I don't care if I'm going down, I'm going to go down swinging. Come on. I don't care if I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down fighting for what God had given to me, my family, and my people and, and, and really, the question that was asked of Adam was profound because really what God was telling him was, Adam, here's what you need to do. You need to examine of why you are where you are and how you got there. Come on, somebody. That's why I said in the beginning, there's, there's really nothing, I'm trying to think of the right word, there's really nothing sadder than being tremendously blessed but not know why. Because if you don't know why, then you can never replicate it into the next generation. Are you following me? So Shama's example to us spiritually and to us even in a physical way is just that when the enemy's coming in, sometimes we need to ask the question, God, what's my pea patch? What, what, what have you given me? What have you blessed me with? If God's given you a family and you've got kids, can I tell you, God gave you those kids and he wants you to fight for them. 
I believe God's given this church, Homosassa, Florida, the church. I'm not talking about just us. I'm talking about the church in Homosassa, Florida. God's given us this ground. Amen? There's a very real sense in the Hebrew thought that that's why God told him. He, he said, everywhere you put your foot down is yours. I walk around this, this area all the time and even driving, but walk in and walk around. And I say, God, everywhere that I put my foot down, I claim for the kingdom of God. Amen. I claim for your glory. Walk around your house and say, God, this is yours. And this is my pea patch that fruit comes out of. And I'm going to stand and come against the enemy. Here's why. Shama decided it was worth it. You need to decide what is worth it to you to finally stand up and tell the enemy. If it's your finances, listen, God desires your finances to be blessed. And you ask yourself, where am I and how did I get there? You could answer one simple question that if you're not continually sowing, you're not going to have anything to reap. Because none of us can get past the principle of sowing and reaping. God is not mocked. Amen. Whatsoever a man sowed, that shall he reap. So you can look back. And say, this is why I'm blessed. Or you can examine your life, and which I've done many times throughout my life. God, this battle, is it something where I've disobeyed you that I need to repent of? And then I can get things right with you and then I can stand against what the enemy's fighting. Who believes our children are worth the fight? Amen. How many believe your health is worth fighting for? Amen. So God wants your families blessed. He wants your health blessed. He wants your ministry, your dreams, your visions. You know, I I decided I I haven't quite become the distinguished pastor. I'm putting that off another year. I just put it on hold for just a few months to a year. But I decided recently just hitting 50, you start to ponder some things and think about some things. I know a lot of pastors that make it all the way through their ministry and they retire. Um, and really what they are is hurt, bitter, and angry. <laughs> they have so many wounds from all the years of ministry. And I just said to myself, I said, Lord, I'm not going out like that. I'm going to go out with peace in my heart. I'm going to go out with joy in my life. I'm going to go out with a thriving relationship with you no matter what is going on around me. I'm going to, because we all know this too, people get up to a certain age and they get really grumpy, don't they? They do. And I'm starting to understand that. I mean, here a few months ago, I pulled a muscle on my back getting a carton of ice cream out of the freezer. I'm like, did that really just happen? Because we have one of those freezers that's on the bottom and I had to get way down in there. And when I came up, I thought, oh. So I said, and ate my ice cream and just complained for a little while. But he said, I'm not running this time. Some of you just need to make a stand. Amen. The key for us as believers in prayer is, again, listening to what God is saying. Let him pinpoint the area that he's working on. I mentioned this in the beginning, but we rest in God's finished work. But listen to me, but we are to contend in prayer for ourselves, our church, our family, our health, everything around us is when I'm in a battle. Listen, I want some people that will fight the enemy over a pea patch that I'm contending for. Amen. In other words, I don't want to fight alone. I want to fight with my brothers and sisters beside me against what the enemy's trying to do. 
Amen. I got your back too, Miss Sister Judy. Aren't you thankful for the people of God that come along beside you? When Listen, and courage is contagious, y'all. It is. And you see this in this story. He stood up, said, no, this is mine. I'm going to fight for it. And when I keep saying fight for it, fight for it, fight for it, I understand there may be people at all different levels of your spiritual walk. You may be six months into it. You may be 60 years into it. That's the challenge of pastoring is trying to feed people that are at all different levels of their spiritual walk. When I talk about battle and fight, listen, the, the warfare that we fight is the fruit of our lips. Amen. That's why our words, that's why our words are so important. Again, Lee and I have a, an agreement with each other. We're not going to let our, each other be Eeyores. Amen? Anybody know who Eeyore is? Well, my life is just... You're so blessed you don't even know half the blessings that have been given to you. We just take them for granted all the time. But here are three things that we need to do from this story. Number one, stand. Everybody say stand. In both of those stories that we talked about, King Jehoash and Shammah, the common denominator is they stood up and said, look... We have to stand against what, because the enemy would have come in and, and completely demolished the kingdom of Israel, would have continued to steal their peas and their pea patch. Listen, the enemy will take advantage of you when you don't know what belongs to you in Christ. That's why your identity is so important. He can't lie and tell you you're not a child of God. If Jesus has washed you in his blood, you're his child. He doesn't have adopted children like, you know, he doesn't have stepkids. That's what I meant to say. We're all adopted, of course. But we have to be willing to take a stand. Daniel 11.32 says this, The people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. So I got a word from you today, and this is it. Get up, child of God. Get up and stand. Even if you're like Shaman, you find that even those who said they'd always have you back are, are deserting you. They ran off. He stood. Let's be people that stand. Amen. Number two, shoot. Everybody say shoot. You will miss 100% of the shots that you do not take. Joash gets the message. He says, okay, you're standing up. Okay, you've decided to fight. Now God has something for you to do. When you decide to stand, God is going to give you a strategy. And I'll say this. Most of us are defeated and most of us don't have peace and most of us are sick and most of us are mentally worn out. Because we have something called the grasshopper mentality. Amen? You say, what's the grasshopper mentality? The grasshopper mentality is God had been telling them for 40 years, I'm giving you the land flowing with milk and honey. Everywhere you put your foot, you will have. So they had to operate in something called faith. Because when they sent the 12 spies into the, into the promised land, what happened? Ten came back and they said this, we felt like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and I'm sure in their eyes too. And I'm paraphrasing. But isn't it amazing that we can project on other people what we're really dealing with on the inside ourselves? Because I would have asked a simple question. I would have said, who told you that? It has, records no conversation with what anybody in the promised land that they were sent to defeat and push out really thought of the people of Israel. Certainly they knew who they were. Certainly they knew they were there because they had been wandering around. I, I can't imagine living in the promise. I mean, think about that for a second. This is hitting me right now, so just bear with me. 
Think about that for a second. All these nations are, are holed up in the promised land. The word has gotten out that actually this, these people that just came from Egypt that are, that are wandering around in the desert, they're going to come here eventually. So what would they have been doing? They would have been you know, restocking their, their, their swords and their bow and arrows and all this different stuff. So they were probably, listen to me, think about this for a second. The people who are living on the land that God was giving to the people of Israel, and that's what we're talking about tonight, is don't let the devil take your stuff. Fight him for it. Amen? Understand who you are as a child of God and stand against him in prayer and worship. And just, just sometimes just telling the devil, no! Take the no position with the devil. Anything that you're come to do, I just say no to right now. But think about this. They were probably more afraid of Israel than Israel should have been afraid of the people in the promised land. Why? Because they had the true and living God on their side, and so do you tonight. So not only do you have to stand, you've actually got to shoot your arrow and strike your arrow. How do we do that? Continue to pray in faith on what God has said. It said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we seem the same to them. Can I tell you tonight, the reason we can shoot is the, the, your presence on this earth is not by accident. You were born for such a time as this. You were anointed for such a time as this. God puts you here for such a time as this. So when we shoot, we, we do it with the knowledge that, like he said to Jeremiah, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Listen, listen, for Jeremiah, he was created in his mother. He was created by his parents. But listen, you were formed by God. And being formed by God, you were given your, you were given uh, 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 gifts and talents and anointing and, and everything that God desired to have and put in you. He did it in your mother's womb and he has called you to take a stand and he's called you to shoot the arrows that he's calling you to shoot. It's like God saying, your parents made you, but I formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you'd be moody on Mondays. He knows that you need your coffee before anybody talks to you, which is my testimony. Leah knows it. I told you all, we found out on our honeymoon that we're both not morning people. We didn't say two words to each other for 20 minutes. And I looked at her and I said, you're not a morning person? She said, no. I said, thank you, Jesus. He didn't give me somebody that was a morning person. What I'm talking about is confidence. God is speaking to Jehoash. God was speaking to Shammah. God is speaking to his people that it's time to stand up against what the enemy's trying to do. It's time to stand up against the evil that has infiltrated our culture. It's time to stand up against what the enemy has tried to take out an entire generation. It's time to stand up of what he's doing in our families and in our school system and on. I could go on and on and on and on. It's time for us to stand up. When God says stand, you stand. Amen. We have to stand. We have to shoot. And the direct, listen, he said, open the east window. That's specific. Take that arrow, strike it. And listen, when you go to striking, strike, 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 strike. Don't give up after a few shots. Because we stand, we shoot, we strike. But you got to shoot. Amen? You'll miss 100%. Listen. You'll miss 100% of, of some of the blessings that God has out there for you because you just won't bring them into a language of prayer. 
When you're in prayer, when you're in the secret place, stand with me tonight. I don't know if you all are just tired or what the deal is. When you get in your secret place and God begins to give you strategy and he begins to give you the strategy, open these windows, shoot, you're going to win a great victory. Take the arrow, begin to strike. Shama had probably run time after time after time after time. He'd probably just, here they come again, let's run. I think that the church has operated that way for so long that we just retreat every time the enemy pushes back. And I know for the year and a half, I kind of took that same position when I was walking through a lot of battles, and still do, but these were heavy. (laughs) These were very, very heavy. And the enemy just keeps... In other words, if he can get you to inch off of that lentil patch, that pea patch, if he can get you to inch off... Listen, if he can get you to inch off the fact that God wants you blessed, God wants you favored, God wants you walking in righteousness, God wants you to get rid of sin out of your life, God wants you to empty yourself of all that so that you can be filled with him. Because church, we have a job to do, and it's a big job. It's an incredible honor, literally, to be born for such a time as this. So you gotta you gotta identify what the strategy. Where's your pea patch? Where do you need to stand? If if you're dealing with sickness in your body continually over and over and over and over again, listen, take a stand on that on God's word that says, My God heals. Amen. When when you're struggling in your finances, and that doesn't mean that that, that doesn't that happens to all of us, especially when inflation is what it is, right? I mean, it, it can get tough sometimes. It doesn't mean that you're out of God's favor because you got more month than you do have money in the bank. Amen? Anybody else ever had more month than money? <laughs> Am I the only one? Okay. So when you're in those times, what you do is, again, you back up and you evaluate, just like God asked Adam, where are you? It wasn't because he didn't know. It's because he needed to identify in his own life what had happened and how he can fix it. God has a fix for everything that you're facing here tonight. If you feel sick in your physical body, God's a healer. You need a a better job, God's a provider. Amen? You need forgiveness tonight, God's a forgiving God. When you come to Him with true repentance in your heart. But you've got to stand. You've got to identify God's strategy. And again, I went through a season where I'm just like, you know, I just, I'm so weary. I've been fighting all my life. You just feel like, anybody else feel like sometimes you just barely keep your head above the water? Yeah. I felt like that for a long period of time. I reached out to people, listen, pray specifically for me. Pray for my family. Pray for this battle that I'm in and going through. This is life and death type stuff that I'm, I'm dealing with. And it really came a moment, and it was a word somebody sent me. And it came a moment where I'm like, you know what? And literally the Holy Spirit in my ear saying, start acting like the man of God that I've called you to be. Take that authority, take those arrows that I've already given you and begin to strike. And listen, my arrows, when you see me worshiping up here, that's me fighting my battles, y'all. If you see me hop a little bit up and down until I get tired or pull something, then that's me understanding that that's how, that's how the battle's won. It, it, it's won by, yes, I see something, but I'm not going to be moved by what I see. I'm going to be moved by what God said. 
And then you shoot, and then you, you trust God that He is going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think. And I'm still in the midst of several battles, but can I tell you the difference now? I'm at rest. Because I remember and remind myself continually that I'm God's child. And, I, and, and here's what happens when I have a revelation. Just, a, just, a, just driving down the road. I, the song came on my radio the other day. And it's Tasha uh, Leonard Cobb. He knows my name. And that just, just, just that. Re- but then, then what happened is hunger language began to come out of my, my mouth. I wasn't worried about the situation anymore. I just wanted more of God in that moment that was pouring out into my life. And as that poured out into my life, my problem got a lot smaller because my God got bigger. And then the Holy Spirit just, this is a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit said, keep striking your arrows. There's victory around the corner. Because we get, we get satisfied with half victories. Amen? We get satisfied. Well, you know, only four of my cars have been wrecked in one year. Maybe next year it'll be three. No! <laughs> Let's go for God's best. Amen? Because that is who our Father is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight, I pray specifically that those who are in the midst of a battle, Lord, those who are in the midst of difficulty or burdens, that, Lord God, you would give them strategy, Father. The first revelation that I want to just speak over the congregation and ask you, Holy Spirit, to make it real in their lives. The first revelation, God, and the foundation of our very lives is that we are children of the Most High God. And our God's never lost a battle because he's never had to fight a battle because our God speaks and it's done. So, Lord, I speak a hunger language over this congregation that our language would begin to shift from one of looking down at the problem to transition us to looking up to the solution. And that's you, Father. So, God, tonight as we enter into rest, I also ask you to stir in us a reach for the blessings and the favor and the fruit of the Spirit and everything that you have for each individual, for each family, and for this church, Father. We pray and come into agreement together that, God, this is the season of harvest, and we're standing in the pea patch contending for, God, what you said over this congregation, over Homosassa, Florida, over the state of Florida, and over the United States of America, God. We contend and we believe that, God, a revival and an outpouring of the Spirit of God is right on the horizon, Lord. I do not back up and I do not change my language. I believe that our God is going to pour out the best in the last days. So, Father, bring encouragement to each heart. Bring a blessing to each each life. Stir up the hunger. And, God, I pray tonight you give the strategy, Father, for the, the answer for what each individual is looking for. Something small to something Absolutely life-changing, Lord, because there is no difference to you. You're, you, Lord, are our intent, and you, Lord, are focused on even the smallest areas of our everyday lives, God. That's who you are. Not a sparrow falls from the, the heavens without you knowing it. Not a hair falls from our head, Lord God, without you knowing which number it is. That's how intimately you know each person here tonight. 
So, Father, let that stir in our hearts and let that stir in our spirit so that we can take a stand and we can shoot the arrows of prayer into a great victory for our God. Lord, we're your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. So, Father, tonight I pray for this congregation here at this Bible study that, Lord God, you would watch over and bless. You would put your angels to the left, right, in front of and behind that, God, your spirit would continually be with us and around us and in us. And, Lord, as you give divine appointments, Father, over these next few days, weeks, and even months, Lord, I pray you would stir in our hearts a desire, Father, to witness to other people, to invite them into a relationship with you, God. Father, we love you and we praise you. Watch over and protect each and every person and each and every family until you bring us back here at the appointed time. Lord, we love and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed. If you guys will excuse me, I've got a meeting uh, in my office here for a few minutes. So I love you. God bless you. And see you Sunday.